Welcome back to another episode of the Outsider Sports Baseball Podcast. John Pauline, Ben Mandel, Corey Jason here. Ready to bring you some more championship series action. Series not quite finished. Getting to the game six mark. A couple game clinching possibilities. But let's just go right into it. Start it off with the reigning champs, Houston Astros. Taking on the Rangers. Astros lead three to two. Game six and a possible game seven will be in Houston as opposed to three, four, and five, which were in Texas. I mean, every game's in Texas, but these last ones are played in Arlington. Game five projected starters, six projected starters, Nathan Ivaldi, Framber Valdez. But what I really want to talk about in this series is that giant brawl we saw in the eighth inning of game five where Adolis Garcia and Brian Abreu both got ejected. Dusty Baker, too. Just a lot of stuff going on. So let me kind of paint the scene for you. A couple innings prior to the eighth, Adolis Garcia hits a mammoth three-run home run and does what every great hitter does. Stares it down, intimidates the heck out of everybody, and celebrates. That's something baseball is increasingly getting more and more used to. And... In my opinion, as long as it's not directed at any single player, celebrate all you want, do whatever you want. And I think that is the dividing factor of when you don't don't stare down the pitcher, stare down the ball, keep everybody else out of it. And that's what Garcia did. He stared down the ball. He didn't stare down the pitcher. But now we're in a one-run game in the eighth, and Garcia's up the plate, and Brian Abreu hits him. The catcher, Martin Maldonado, setting up outside, which is the opposite of inside where the batter is, the ball goes inside, hits Abreu, 99 miles an hour, fastball, right to the left arm. And you know what? Garcia took exception to it, said, why? Why there? Why that? And Maldonado was like, what, what the heck are you talking about? I have no idea what you're saying. And then, you know, Garcia kind of made a move toward the mound, and everybody started to, to congregate together, get some anger out there. And at the end of the, the scrum, Garcia ejected for being the aggressor. The pitcher, Brian Abreu, ejected because the six umpires came together. And yes, in the postseason, you do have six umpires. Your normal four in the infield, plus you got two right and left field line umpires. They all came together and decided that, you know what? This pitch was thrown at him on purpose. Abreu suspended two games. He's going to appeal. He's hoping that it gets them quicker because then – he could just be out for the championship series and not any World Series games. So they ejected Garcia, they ejected Abreu, and then they ejected Dusty Baker because Baker started having a freakout meltdown in the dugout, throwing stuff, and the umpires took exception to it, said, you're out of here, and he wouldn't even leave until his bench coach kind of forced him out. But then in the top of the ninth, who else but Jose Altuve hits a home run to basically win the game. The Rangers said, you know, the Jose Leclerc, who's been money in the postseason, the reason he struggled was he came in with two outs in the eighth. That whole struggle and scrum and everything and how long it took for them to settle everything kind of made him cold, and that's why he struggled. I think that's excuses. But that's where we're at now. What did you guys make of this whole uh, situation? Was anybody in the right or in the wrong? Do you guys think it was done on purpose? What's up? So here's the thing. Anytime I am on board with Adolis Garcia being able to celebrate a home run. And you know what, Corey, to be honest with you, if he stares down the pitcher, he stares down the pitcher. 
But you know what? When you do things like that, then you can be thrown at. You are not able to get mad. You're not able to contest being thrown at. He didn't get thrown at his head. He got hit in the arm. Suck it up. Take your base. And you know what? Try to win a baseball game. I uh, totally agree with that sentiment. I mean, and I saw the pitch going, and I mean, it looks like, I mean, at first glance, it looks like it almost he was throwing at him, but it honestly just looks like he just did not have control of that ball coming out of his hand when he threw it. It just ran inside. Well, think about a one-run game. One-run game in the eighth inning, are you really trying to give a base right there? In the ALCS, you're not. You're not. And that's exactly. what Steve Baker was saying when he got ejected was, situationally, it doesn't make sense. The time isn't now to hit him. It's in spring training, which also, Dusty, we all know you're full of it. You're not going to hit him in spring training. You're going to hit him in a game where it actually matters. Because what's spring training going to do? You'll, you'll, you you wouldn't hit him now, but you'd hit him tomorrow. You know what I mean? You'd hit him earlier in the game when you have right. time to make up for that base run. So, like, don't give me that crock of whatever that, you know, oh, we'll hit him in spring training. No. You've been around the game for far too long. You know that guys get hit when they do something that you don't like. Now, I don't necessarily believe it was done on purpose, but it's even scarier to think that the pitcher didn't even have control when he got hit because there's nothing scarier than a pitcher – that doesn't have control throwing balls near your body, near your head. Just that is life threateningly dangerous. So honestly, it might be for the best that he was ejected because somebody's going to get hurt. Then you shouldn't be pitching. If you don't have the control where you can hit somebody like that. I mean, if you remember a game from a few years ago, when uh, the Phillies, I think were playing the Cardinals and like first pitch, I forget who was pitching hit Harper Ryan in the face. I think, and then uh, Gregorius comes up. The very first pitch on that beams Gregorius in the ribs, and then and then I think uh, Segura came up, and if he was batting from the other on the other side of the batter box, it would have been would have hit him again, and the umps let him in. They should have thrown him out after he hit Harper because clearly he didn't have control. So it it's might just have tough because not having control isn't a written reason to throw anybody out, but it's on the manager to be like, all right, he doesn't have it. Let's. You know, be safe here. Well, well but, but I was just about batters. to say, now with the three-batter rule, if you see a guy doesn't have control after the first batter, you got to suck it up for two more batters at least. I don't think that rule stands for the starter, though. Yeah, I no. think it's only about relief. If you, if you start a game, you, you got to – unless you are injured, you have to pitch to three batters. You know, if if you if you hit three if you if you hit two batters in a row to start the game, there, there's some there's some injury going on, whether it's mental or not. Well, and but how many? How you see it all the time though with starting pitchers, managers, especially in the regular season, not necessarily the postseason. The, you, you gotta at least try to stretch your starter for three well, innings. I mean, you hit two batters, that's not gonna be it. But so then you don't get are, to, you're, then you're you don't gonna, get to get upset though if guys in your team get a couple bean balls right back at you. That's well, just no. how it is. And that's no, how it that's, that's what I'm saying. It's the people need to just stop complaining. What you do has consequences. You don't yeah. want to deal with those consequences. Don't do the actions that lead to them. Absolutely. So I think we're all in agreement. The beanball and the, the celebration, not, neither really uh, were in, we have issue with more of an issue with Garcia taking exception to it. But even then, they probably could have an issue with the. I have an issue with the suspension for Abreu, though, as well. I agree. I think that'll get taken down to one game upon. Uh, I think it should be zero. It should be zero. 
It's it's very rare though that they'll do that if they determine that he did it on purpose. But, no, I know, but that's it should be zero. No, no, I agree. I I think we could have gotten out of this without any ejections and kind of kept mm-hmm. the game going. Because also you don't want to take out a guy like Adolis Garcia. And no, but like- whenever you get benches clearing, I understand someone's got to go. It's easy to just take the pitcher and the batter out of the game and move on. Yeah, but I, I, I think baseball needs no fighting, suspensions, though. especially in the eighth inning. Though it's the eighth inning, eject them, move on, play a new game tomorrow. No suspensions. You should be allowed to drop gloves and throw a couple he- uh, hooks. Baseball. Hey man, what gloves do you wear? Batting gloves, fielding gloves. Like. I mean, there's gloves. You can drop them and, and duke it out. Like, tell me you wouldn't want to see, like, uh, old school CeCe Sabathia taking on, you know, Jose Altuve. The reason why I'm going to say no, Corey, is because even though we were entertained by the Jose Ramirez, Tim Anderson stuff, it wasn't baseball. Odora Batista, though. It wasn't baseball. I mean, it was. No. I, I like the emotions. There's nothing. I like the emotions, but guys should not be throwing haymakers at Pedro Martinez base. throwing down 90-year-old Don Zimmer by the head is as baseball as it gets. Like, hang it in the Louvre. Be- ben- be- benches clearing in those brawls where relievers are coming out from the bullpen to run in, that's baseball. The emotions. The emotions, not throwing haymakers, man. But you, no haymakers, but I mean, like, let them fight out like hockey. They're throwing haymakers in hockey. And I mean, plus, that's the other thing, though. Hockey is a different level of respect because hockey, it's one guy versus one guy. No one jumps in. You see these brawls, and it's just a mad pile of people. Like, you'll have three or four guys ganging up on one. That's why you, you know, it's just not, it's not baseball. It's not the same. So then they shouldn't let it be that respect thing one on one. As soon as it goes two on one, the- you know, you, then well, that's the once once things get out of hand, the refs jump in and split it up. But there's w- not enough umpires to fend off fifty something people. And quite frankly, there's a, probably in all of sports, baseball umpires probably get the least amount of respect because of how much they actually control the game. Well, and how shitty they actually are. Yes. So, like, you get a guy like Angel Hernandez trying to break it up. You know, get in the middle of that scrum. I'll be honest, Angel Hernandez might be might be the one who is the recipient and all of a sudden he, he it's might break peace it between the two teams. Yeah. And Angel Hernandez is the out. new recipient. You know, they see Angel Hernandez, you know, a couple elbows coming right to the back. Yeah, they see the, they oh, see the chance. See oh, Angel Hernandez took off the face mask. Now it's our shot. Hernandez hit me. What are you talking about? Umpires can't hit players. But, you know, let's go on. John's already. Red October's happening. Phillies D-backs. Phillies up now 3-2 in the series. Game 6 and 7 in Philadelphia. Merrill Kelly, Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola's last start is a Philly question mark. But, uh, John, I want your initial raw thoughts on this series so far. Well, I mean, originally, you know, I kind of thought I had it paid. I think on our thing I had him paid to win it in five. The Phillies win it in five games. And then when the series started, it almost looked like they were going to have a clean sweep there. But then they kind of, you know, hit in a roadblock on that game. Was it was it game three? They hit a roadblock there, and it's just Kimbrell fell apart at the end there and blew, uh, blew the hold, I guess. Because it was tied 1-1 in the ninth. Yeah, he blew the hold and stuff. And it was just like, okay, well, like, my prediction is still there. You know, win it in, you know, win it in five, right? 
And then you go into the game Friday and it's just like, you, know, you thought, yeah, I thought they had it, had it won. Like I was watching the game with my dad. We were getting ready to go to sleep and stuff because we're tired and stuff. And I thought we thought we can go to bed, you know, nice and happy knowing the Phillies were going to win that game. And then, you know, you wake up and you see they, they, they blew it. And it, none other than Kimbrell again, blowing a whole another hold. And uh, I mean, honestly, at this point, I, I think, I mean, I don't think much is really the blame on everyone. I see a lot of fans blaming Rob Thompson for his decisions right there. But I mean, like, Kimbrell's been your closer. You put him in, you expect him to get out of the inning clean. I don't know. I, I feel like this has been like, a lot of people I think are playing Thompson for a lot of stuff, just players not performing how they should perform. And it's just like, the, the, put the blame on the player, not the manager. Like he puts him in, he, the, the player has to do his job and he's not doing his job. And Kimbrell just doesn't seem like he has it right now. And honestly, I'd be okay if you don't see him, if I don't see him <laughs> the rest of the playoffs. Like I, I'd be, I'd yeah. be fine. I believe I saw that Kimbrell set the record for most postseason blown saves slash holds. Yeah. Between like like set the record for the amount of teams he's done that for. I believe it's like five teams he's blown a game. Well, you have the Bo- Boston, Chicago, Philadelphia, Philly, Atlanta. Atlanta. And I think he I think he did he do it with the Cubs too, I want to say. I said Chicago. Did you say Chicago? You did. Yeah. Did he do it for uh San Diego? Was he on San Diego? Like ninety nine percent sure. Let me let me Yeah, but they weren't a playoff team with him. Well, if the, if he was on the team, he bounced the around more did. than like we realized. No, I know Kimbrel's been all over the place. So, um, he did, oh, he did it with the Dodgers last year. Got it. Yeah, but I think Craig Kimbrel. Yeah, he had some stretches where he was unbelievable with Atlanta and Boston, but he's done, man. He's been done for a few years. He's thirty-five. He can go out there. He can be a middle piece of your bullpen. He cannot be your closer anymore. He just can't. I mean, I think after this year, I mean, does he Dombrowski's retire? Boy, though. He's Dombrowski's boy. It that is fair. Stops. I just, I just, I think they should just sit him down, shut him down. Nah, we'll see. Shut him eventually, down. he'll eventually he'll get it right. But the hang is iconic, though. <sighs> I just, I don't want to see any more blown saves or holds. I can't. Now, I can't take it. Let's go from the devastation of Craig Kimbrell to the elation of Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber. How good are these guys? Like Schwarber now was the fastest in terms of games to reach 20 career postseason home runs with 60, 20 and 63 games, beating out Jose Altuve, who got 20 in 68 games. Like we talk about Altuve and postseason home runs, and he's likely to end up setting the record. Schwarber's right behind him ready to break his record because he's at a quicker pace. And I think there's a chance he gets to the postseason more often than Altuve. We saw the Astros are kind of towards the end of that dynasty that they're setting where they kind of limped in and barely even won the division. They could have very possibly missed the playoffs altogether over this last month. And they don't have a lot coming up in the minors. The guys are getting older. Altuve is like 34, 35 years old now. He's been around forever. So there's a lot going on with Houston that's kind of going to set them off to the sunset. But this Phillies team is still young and ready to go. They're kind of at the beginning. Well, so Schwarber's, 
Was that? I, was, I want to also throw out with Schwarber. Remember, in 2016, Kyle Schwarber did not participate in the Cubs playoff run until the th- uh, the four games in Cleveland, I believe. That was back when he was a catcher, too, coming off. I think it was a torn ACL, mm-hmm. and they stuck him in left so, field just to get his yeah, back. Think about, think about how many more postseason home runs Schwarber would have had if he had had that entire postseason, if, if, even if he has like three or four. Yeah. Just, John, Ben, how incredible is this run from these two? Could we be seeing co-LCS MVPs? No. No. Who no, gets I still I still think they give it to one. I think it still goes to Harper. I think that while, yeah, Schwarber is, has been extremely valuable on the field, I think what makes – and this is something that, you know – we've been talking about on the pod for a while. What makes Bryce Harper so valuable is not only what he brings on the field, but just his personality and his attitude that he brings into the dugout as well is something that translates when he goes, this team goes, you know, yeah. Kyle Schwarber sometimes will go and get, provide a spark, but most of the time, who's the one driving in Kyle Schwarber. If it's not Kyle Schwarber himself, it's Bryce Harper. And that's, uh, well, Castellanos as well, and he's had a good postseason. But it's it's Bryce Harper. Let's let's be honest, it's Bryce Harper. Yeah. I mean, there's a strong case to make for Schwarber, too. I think he has five home runs in this series alone, which is crazy. So you can make a strong thing that, you know, because, like, Schwarber kind of gets the gets the roll in there with that spark there, you, with that home run in the leadoff spot. And then you can say Harper kind of keeps that, you know, you know, fans the flames there, per se. But, I mean, it's a tough one for me because you have Schwarber. He gets the game started with the leadoff home runs. That's as huge to set the tone. And, and they just feed off that, like the team. Like, they all feed off that, the team, the fans and stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, Harper is he, – he's the face of this team. He's – he's he literally – he's he's the clubhouse leader. And I don't think – there's not a lot of teams that have, like, a clubhouse leader like him. Like, he sets the tone. He's not afraid to, like – throw down a bunt when he needs to throw down a bunt he he'll he'll take the walks he, he tries he gets hits when he needs to get hits like aggressive base running never gives up like so i mean you can only make an argument for either one of them i mean i'm almost saying you, you almost might have to go with the co mvps here but also then again you got guys like wheeler and nola who have been lights out and deserve consideration Suarez well. too eh, not suarez he didn't, been... he didn't win that not in this series, not in the LCS. Not the, he's, if been, you're, he's been holding though. Like he, he the games they the games he pitched, he didn't he, they didn't lose. No, but if you're gonna game. win an if you're gonna win a series MVP as a pitcher, you have to throw two spotless outings. And it may not be fair, but you, you basically have to throw two spotless outings yeah. if you're gonna win an LCS or a World Series MVP. And we, we see Wheeler go lights out. He's got an 096 ERA now in the postseason for his career. One of the top all-time ERAs in the postseason. Noah's got a shot again today to go. I think those guys will get real consideration. But again, I do think it ends up being Harper or a combo of Harper, Schwarber, co-MVPs. But I do want to throw out there with Ketel Marte of the Diamondbacks. He's quietly on a 14-game hitting streak to start his postseason career. That's the second longest streak to start a career of all time. Really impressive for a team and a player that kind of thought maybe he was on the trade block at some point between the last uh, offseason and now. Diamondbacks weren't really sure what they were going to do with him. He struggled this year during the regular season. 
but he's like their old veteran presence now. He's their guy. He's well, think about it. He better. was he was the center fielder before this season. So yeah. that's where all those questions were coming from because they knew he wasn't going to be playing in the outfield anymore. But he also was shortstop, third base, second base. Mm-hmm. They had him everywhere. They filled him in where they needed to. And they just weren't sure what the deal was with him because he had struggled early on this year as well. And just seeing him as – I think he's the longest tenured D-back player now. Yeah, he can hit, man. He can, he hit, can he hit. He can hit. He can, he's fast. Under the radar, really good possible five-tool type I'd player. say in terms of the Diamondbacks, the player who I've been most disappointed with in this series would have to be Christian Walker. I mean – especially those two games in Philly. He just was outmatched. He's guessing at the plate. Uh, If the Diamondbacks are going to win, they need to hit more home runs, and Christian Walker has to be able to deliver. How are we feeling for game six, John? I think uh, think the Phillies win it here. Yeah? I think they do. I mean, honestly, if they they lose this game, I don't even know if they deserve to go on. All right, so final game six predictions. Houston, Texas. The Evaldi versus Valdez. Does Houston take the series in game six, or does Texas force a game seven? Texas is forcing a game seven. Who's taking that game seven? Game seven goes to Houston, but Texas is going to force game seven. I think that Framber Valdez has been very inconsistent this year, especially the second half of the season. He has not been good. I think that Texas is going to have a little bit of a spark. I think they're back against the wall for the first time this postseason, and going up against a rival, I think – there is something to be said about a hungrier team. And I think tonight Texas is going to be the hungrier team. Now I want to throw out there that the away team has won all five games in this series so far. Mm-hmm. So Texas, interesting. I personally think Houston just shuts it down and takes it. I think both these series end in six and we got a rematch of last year. The first time since the 1976-77 World Series, I believe, where the Yankees and Dodgers played in back-to-back years, we get back-to-back World Series rematches. John Corey, Lillard, let us know how those World Series turned out, though. I think the like, Yankees did they, like, I'm saying, who who won? Did they split? I think, did... I think the Yankees won them both, actually. I, I believe they did. But, I just uh, you I, I wasn't know, trying to figured I'd throw a downer for John. <laughs> I, I was trying not to, to throw it down on John, just because uh, in a Philly-Houston matchup, Philly becomes no. America's team. I mean, look, as much as I dislike the Astros, I mean, we are still – my team is still in the NL East. Ben supports cheating. Shame. I don't support cheating. You do? I don't support cheating. You do? I just don't support the city of Philadelphia. You can't support me, I hate everything Philly, but, like – You can't support me? No. You're you're Philly. (laughs) (laughs) You're Philadelphia. No. (laughs) All right, well, let's get into some – the gold glove, you know, that was announced. All the uh, position players, the finalists, the top three finalists for each position. Kind of want to go over a couple question marks I had. The first one being the American League first base gold glove nominees. Lowe from the Rays. Mountcastle from Baltimore. Fine and well there. Very solid players. Anthony Rizzo of the Yankees was nominated for first base gold glove. Rizzo hadn't played since mid-May when Fernando Tatis Jr. took a knee to his face. And honestly, at that point, Rizzo was struggling playing defensively as well. You know, Rizzo played a few months, you know, with some brain fog, but he really hadn't played mentally there since May. Just what do you guys make of that? Where 
He played he hadn't been normal since May, and I think he played a month or a month and a half after that with like a severe concussion that nobody caught. Yeah, that was not the Yankees' brightest moment. Um definitely independent, doc- independent doctors said he was fine. No, so- I'm I but still you guys, you the fans saw he was not fine. Was Something fine. has to be done. And look, I'm not saying that it's on the Yankees. You know, they should they they put him in danger on purpose. But look, it's something. The fact that there was something wrong and the doctors didn't see it that's an issue. I think that I, I the only reason I could see them nominating Rizzo with all the playing as little as he did was the fact that he still ended up with a plus six about outs above average. Um, but I still, I think there's just not enough time in the field. I think that, you know, like you're saying, Corey, there, it's a big issue for him to be nominated. And I think baseball, honestly, in terms of getting three finalists for a lot of these gold gloves, just went with a lot of easy choices instead of actually looking deeper into who deserves it. Which is weird because they want name brand in some areas and not name brand in others just to run mm-hmm. through a couple positions. Second base American League, Mauricio Dubon of Houston, Andres Jimenez of Cleveland, Marcus Simeon of Texas, all nominated for second base. Jimenez is the reigning gold glove winner there. Alex Bregman in Houston at third. Matt Chapman of Toronto. Jose Ramirez of Cleveland at third base. Chapman, perennial gold glove, platinum glove winner. Would Would not be surprised if he didn't win it again. Another one I want to kind of talk about, though, shortstop of the American League. Carlos Correa, Corey Seager, Correa of Minnesota, Seager of the Rangers, and Anthony Volpe, the Yankees rookie shortstop, all nominated. Now, Volpe didn't look like he passed the eye test defensively. You know, he was fine, better than what we've had in some parts, but he did make some pretty boneheaded errors. But out of all three guys, Volpe is the only one with a positive DRS, defensive run staved. And he's also tied for the American League lead with 16 – yeah, with 16 defensive runs saved. It's just – it doesn't make sense. Like, Volpe didn't look good, but he should win based off defensive metrics. He should blow these two out of the water. And it's just very weird. What do you guys make of that? Look, I think it's it's difficult, right? Because I I honestly do believe that a lot of the best defensive shortstops are in the National League. I mean, the, the, a lot of the good ones are. Now, there was a clear-cut guy who, who would have won, I think, and it's Wander Franco. I think that Franco was the best shortstop in the American League this year. Obviously, he cannot be nominated now. I he think, could. N- let's, let's be real. I think, um, I think, you know, keep Volpe in there. I would have gone with maybe a Bobby Witt Jr., or I would have gone in a different direction with Jeremy Pena, but right. Jeremy I, Pena though had a pretty miserable year defensively. And that's general, but that's and the thing. Wit, like again with DRS, which isn't the end all be all, but it's a good distinguisher. Bobby but Wood Jr. had a worse DRS than all three of those guys. But but that's the point. There's not a perfect choice for American League Gold Glove at shortstop. Yeah. There just wasn't a lot of the good ones are in the National League. Now let's keep busting through this though. Quickly, left field nominees, Austin Hayes of Baltimore, Stephen Kwan of Cleveland, Dalton Varsho of Toronto. Kwan is the reigning gold glove winner in left field. Center field, center field you got Kevin Kiermeyer of Toronto, Luis Robert Jr. of Chicago, and Julio Rodriguez of Seattle. It's a tight race. I'm not sure who could win. They're all very similar in DRS. 
this is really anybody's win here. Right field, you got Adolis Garcia of Texas, Kyle Tucker of Houston, and Alex Verdugo of Boston. Tucker's the reigning Gold Glove winner. I would be shocked, shocked if he lost it there. I He's think it should go to Verdugo. I, I agree, but Verdugo was better. He leads all right fielders with a nine DRS, but uh, I think it's going to be tough to outdo just because they're all so close. Catcher for the American League, Jonah Heim of Texas, Alejandro Kirk of Toronto, Adley Rushman of Baltimore. Personally, I think it should go to Heim. I think Heim is just the best mm-hmm. defensive catcher mm-hmm. in baseball. I I, I don't know necessarily. Uh, and, I mean, the reason why I'm not saying that he's the best defensive catcher in baseball is just because I'm not confident declaring that just yet. But he's definitely up there. He's one of the best. Three. Top three. Yeah, I would say he's one of the best. He's one of the best. Mm -hmm. But what he brings offensively is what makes him so valuable as well, is that he doesn't just do it on the defensive side. I mean, this is along the lines of what, you know, Giants fans were getting out of Buster Posey. So, you know, when it comes to things like that, you get good offense, good defense. Jonah Heim is extremely valuable, and I agree. I do think that he is the best of this bunch and should win the Gold Glove. Now, the American League pitcher. Gold Glove nominees are Jose Barrios of Toronto, Sonny Gray of Minnesota, Pablo Lopez of Minnesota. All three of these guys were twins at one point or another. Pitching Gold Gloves is whatever. I, I, just I was don't just about to say who cares reason. about pitching Gold Glove. I don't think there's really? any rhyme or reason for any for somebody to win. The utility Gold Glove in the American League is Mauricio Dubon of Houston, Zach McKinstry of Detroit, Taylor Walls of Tampa, Dubon is the only 2023 Gold Glove Award finalist at more than one position this year. He obviously was there for second base in the AL2. I don't think they give it to him twice if he wins at all. So I would expect him to probably win this one over second base. I just want to give myself a little pat on the back because I did say before the season started with the Altuve injury that Mauricio Dubon was the guy to look out for this year. You did. A little pat on the back. Now going to the National League first base, Freddie Freeman of the Dodgers, Carlos Santana. Pittsburgh and Milwaukee got traded and Christian Walker of Arizona. Walker's looking to make back-to-back gold gloves. He had 12 AOAA out above average at first base, leading all first basemen in the league. And he had 11 DRS. I think it's a runaway for Walker again. I just don't think anybody's defensively able to keep it up. Freeman had a three outs above average in 2023 compared to Walker's 12. That's big enough gap where I think Walker comes away with it. Now, second base in the National League, yet Nico Horner of the Cubs, Hassan Kim of the Padres, and Bryson Stott of Philadelphia. All John, shortstops moving to second base. Yeah. John, how is Stott this year defensively? I thought he looked good. I mean, I think he's a top defensive second baseman. I mean, he was good at short, but I think he seems he's even better at second, I think. He also leads all mm-hmm. National League second baseman and outs above average. So Stott could very well come away with this one. Now, another big one that I'm kind of shocked at, third base in the National League, Cabrian Hayes of Pittsburgh, Ryan McMahon of Colorado, Austin Riley of Atlanta. Now, there's a really, really big name missing here, and that's Nolan Arenado. Arenado, who's won the gold glove every year of his career, or at least for the last 10 years has won it. Plus well, let's be – the last person to win the National League gold glove at third base. Chase Headley. Chase Headley. Chase Headley. When he had the like MVP season in like 2012, mm-hmm. it's just been a very long time since anybody else has won it, and I don't know if like this is the year. 
it just doesn't make sense to me. Hayes is a 17 OAA, 21 DRS. McMahon, 11 OAA, 17 DRS. So you can tell right there that Cabrian Hayes is right now the best of the bunch. Riley, a zero OAA and a nine DRS. I don't, I don't know where Riley came from. And th- we were talking about this a yeah, little bit before, before because Riley, I-, I told you, Riley had no business. And I was saying, look, I didn't watch enough of Nolan Arenado to confidently tell you if he should be a gold glove or not. But should have very least the way that is based off this list. Based off of Riley, yes. But, I mean, look, I think Brian Hayes is a very, very talented, good good. defensive third baseman. I think that, you know, yeah, you you were saying he did struggle a little bit when he came back. But the numbers are still there. I think he's the gold glove. I think he wins it. And I think he finally showed the flashes of a full season, defensively at least this year, that we were seeing in 2020. Sometimes I think some of these awards get uh, influenced by popularity more than stats. I think some spots. Because this is all done by Rawlings to begin with. And Cabrian Hayes' father actually caught the final out of the 1996 World Series at third base with the Yankees when they beat the Braves. So third base runs in the family there. NL shortstop, Ezekiel Tovar of Colorado, Dansby Swanson of the Cubs, and Francisco Lindor of the Mets. Lindor's been a weird case all year because he's had a very solid year, but all I've heard from just about every Met fan I know is how disappointing Lindor's been offensively and defensively. Now, Ben, you can I, shine some more light on it because the contract he's getting doesn't seem like he's living up to it, but it does seem like he's playing fine. Well, and that's and that's the thing. you got to realize when it comes to Mets fans that Mets fans need you to be perfect or there's gone, going to be a problem. I don't have an issue with Lindor's defense. I think Lindor's defense has been elite since he's gotten to New York. That's the one thing that you haven't had to worry about with Lindor, and it's his defense. That first year where, yeah, he struggled offensively. He was still good defensively. Last year, great defensively. This year is, you know, another year where I think, yeah, he didn't have his best year offensively, but defensively it was there. He still drove in runs. He still hit home runs. He still stole bases. But, you know, the average wasn't there, but he was still getting on base. I think Met fans just overreact. And you know what? At the end of the day, when you pay someone as much as you pay Lindor, you expect them to be in the MVP conversation, not necessarily, you know, oh, is he going to win a gold glove kind of thing. It's but. Lindor's first season in New York can be compared to Trey Turner's first, you know, few months in Philadelphia. Just, you know, it's tough to adjust. And I think Lindor did adjust and settle in. Part of the dip in the average this year was because of the lineup itself not being comparable to what the Mets were putting out there last year. Now, Lindor has won two gold gloves in his career. Hasn't won one since 2019 in Cleveland. Lindor's got six outs above average this year at shortstop. Swanson's got 20, and Tovar's got 16, so I don't think Lindor's coming away with this one. Well, no, it's going to be Swanson. Swanson has to win it. I honestly wouldn't even be surprised if Swanson's in the running for a platinum glove this year. Now, left field, Ian Happ of the Cubs, David Peralta of the Dodgers, Eddie Rosario of Atlanta. Keeping it rolling, center field, Brenton Doyle of Colorado. Michael Harris, the second of Atlanta, and Alec Thomas of Arizona. This one's going to be Doyle. He's got a uh, uh, fielding value metric of plus 21 compared to Harris's 7 OAA and Thomas's 5 OAA. That's kind of a runaway right there. Right field, 
You got Mookie Betts of the Dodgers, Tatis Jr. of San Diego, and Lane Thomas of Washington. Catcher, Patrick Bailey, San Fran, Gabriel Moreno of Arizona, and JT Romuto of the Phillies. Pitcher, Jesus Lazardo, Miami, Taiwan Walker, Philly, Zach Wheeler, Philly. But again, who cares about pitcher? Gold glove, it's kind of a moot point. Utility, you got Mookie Betts, who's nominated in center. Tommy Edmond, St. Louis. Hassan Kim was also nominated in a different positions, uh, second base for San Diego. It's going to be interesting to see who wins some of these, and I'm just surprised. Maybe we'll see uh, a Platinum Glove winner. I don't believe they give one out every year, though. It's kind of a rare thing, mm-hmm. but you have some really great defenders out there. But that's going to do it here again. we got Game 6 as we stand right now for the NLCS and ALCS. We're going to reconvene prior to the World Series. Talk that out. Again, I think it's going to be a rematch. I think you both agree with me, too. But that's going to do it here for the Outsider Sports Baseball Podcast. Twitter, Outsider Sports 3. Online at OutsiderSports.net. YouTube, TikTok. Just look up Outsider Sports. And keep tuning in to the other great stuff we got going on.